Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. This is the first podcast from my new setup in Brooklyn. I'm really excited to be here. Got my board set up and Mike's here. So Mike, thank cool. you for taking time out of your day. So we have these calls every morning at Leading Agile, these O&I yeah. calls where people yeah. talk about different aspects of how the business is run. And there was yeah. one recently, Mike, where you were talking through some stuff that like just lit me up. And, and I'm, I'm wondering if you can kind of like help people understand what the topic was and how you got to it and where like the big light bulbs for you were. So, so I'm going to, I'll introduce the topic and then you got to tell me what let you up about. Okay. okay. Before yeah. we get into it. So, yeah. so what I think Dave is referencing is, you know, one of our employees said this the other day and I thought it was, I thought it was a super cool way to talk about what leading agile is trying to do. Um, what he said is he goes, he goes, we're industrializing the transformation process. And I thought that that was like super cool, right? Because, because there's a lot of things that we're doing, not just leading agile, but the community is doing that I think are very helpful. I think work great insights, but how do you turn them into models that operate at scale? Okay. And, um, and when I say scale, not only client scale, but also like employee scale, consultant scale, because we have to get all get on the same page about what we're doing. Right. We have to um, maintain a consistent front in front of our clients. We have to operate with integrity to what we say we're doing in the sales process, right? All that kind of stuff. And so what, what we were talking about that morning are, was really four systems, three in particular, and those systems are system of engagement, right. system of transformation, system of delivery, yeah. and system of continuous improvement. Okay. And and just to just to kind of give a nutshell, and then I'll, I'll give you the floor back. But it's like <laughs> when we think of agile, when we think of agile, and we think of um, Spotify model or Safe or large scale Scrum, something right. like that. What we're really talking about is a system of delivery, and it's like what are the what are the structures within the organizations? What are the teaming strategies? What are the coordination strategies? Things like that. Um, how are we measuring the flow of value? Um, how are we um, producing metrics that demonstrate whether we're doing the right things? Are we getting the right ROI, right? All those kinds of things. All those things kind of are a system of delivery. And what I think as we look back over the last 12 years, and hopefully as we look out over the next 12 years, one of the most significant contributions that I think that Leading Agile has offered is the idea of, well, okay, cool. If you're not just going to train everybody on the methodology, like like what is the what is the actual path to transformation look like? Right. And so so as we were articulating things like the four quadrants and expeditions to base camps and outcomes based plans and all the different things that are associated with our change model, what started to emerge was that there was a repeatable system, a repeatable set of processes and tools and way of looking at the world that we could take from client to client. And so, so even if the system of delivery was, um, you know, different, right? So, you know, so you want to put Spotify model in, you want to put safe in, you want to put less in. Uh, I, you know, I say all the time that all of those methodologies were designed to work for a particular kind of ecosystem right. that was in place wherever they were being installed. And so if you're going to install the methodology, you have to kind of install the teaming strategies. You have to install the, install the governance structures. You have to put the metrics in, right? All those kinds of things. And for a lot of organizations, that's an incremental and iterative process. Mm -hmm. and, and so that was what kind of came out in system of transformation. 
And then system of engagement was, okay, so um, there was something that was different than the system of delivery and it was different than the system of transformation, but it was like, it was like how we created shared cognition uh, amongst our team members, um, on the oh, amongst leading side, agile's people, amongst leading agile's people, how we engage to create shared cognition at like the meta level um, on the client site. How did we map um, the billable days to things, the deliverables that were specified in contracts, to outcomes that were expected, right. to um, you know the financial roadmap, lifetime value of the client, and so we started. Um, we started pulling these things apart and talking about them internally, right? Okay. And so that's where you're on that call. And um, apparently I, I um, gave you something to think about. So what did I give you to think about? <laughs> well, it wasn't all you. Some of it came from Len, which I want to oh, talk I'm about. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Len's, but Len's but Len's first, guys on our team. Yeah. I, I just want to yeah. point out one thing. So for me, like coming into Leading Agile a number of years ago, the fact that there was this path that was articulated, that yeah. was a big leap because I hadn't seen that before. Yeah. And over the past couple of years, there's been the evolution of thinking about transformation from a systematic perspective. And, and mm -hmm. now you just identified a couple of different systems where I see a lot of other places, they're just starting to talk about systems. Yeah. Um, so that, that articulation of, you know, there is engagement, delivery, transformation, they're, they're different things. Yeah. They're going to affect each other. Um, talking about how these things are tied together the comment that len made that yeah. if work travels through multiple systems it's, the same it's all one system yeah that was like the big thing where i was like oh shit like yeah <laughs> no it was it yeah it's super super cool right this is the cool thing about hiring the smartest people that you can yeah. find and then throw on <laughs> the problems and and you know so and so again right just as kind of a little bit of a meta topic you know one of the things that i think is has been very um, edifying for me, makes me feel good as a human, right? Is the fact that some of these patterns that we've been working on for 12, 15, maybe even 20 years have held water so well. Yeah. And, then, and then people come in with like breadth of industry experience and stuff, and, and it just makes it richer and richer and richer over time. And so, and so what, what Dave is, is talking about was, you know, if you look at a system of delivery, the work that flows through a system of delivery is really like at the top level, you could say like investment strategy, product roadmap, those kinds of things, right? That's like the highest level for us of a system of delivery. And then um, based upon those, those investment theses, then you break them into small projects. I like to call them epics. I, I kind of grafted onto Dean Leffingwell's words out of safe um, okay. a while back. And because um, it's as good as anything. And, um, and it was as close to standard as, as there was at the time, right? So I think of like initiatives that run through a portfolio tier and a multi-tier hierarchy is like, is an epic. Okay. And then epics decompose into features and features run through like a product or program level tier. Okay. And then features decompose into user stories. And so okay. if you think about the system in a system of delivery, you have teaming strategies, you have orchestration strategies, you have work decomposition strategies, you have um, ways that work flows through the system. You know, you might measure story points or throughput at the team level, but you're definitely using throughput, cycle time and, and such at the feature and the epic level, um, calculating ROI, you know, very specific ways of making sure that that system of delivery is, is producing the results for the organization that we want. Mm -hmm. 
then we we kind of had this idea that the work of a transformation is really a transformed organization, right? So it's not training people on Scrum, it's not getting Scrum masters hired, it's not getting product owners hired. If the if the system of transformation is not systematically building the system of delivery that you want um, incrementally and iteratively, then it's you know then then why are we doing it kind of a thing. So wait, 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 you should, yeah. I, I want to just pause for a second because what yeah. you just said is really important. The system of transformation is creating the system of delivery. It's, yeah, it's I like the word I like to use is instantiating. Instantiating. Yeah. Um, sometimes if I'm feeling um, I don't know. Um, Middle English or something. I say begets or something like that. I don't know if that's <laughs> yeah, they're gonna be agile begets section. So biblical language, right? But yeah, people well, don't think about it like that. They don't think no, about they just no. want to change what they're already doing, not that one thing creates the well, other. It, well, it's like it's like we think about it, it's interesting, right? So so a long time ago, I, I thought always thought about like I made the distinction between adoption and transformation. It's like what people want to do is they want to adopt a bunch of practices. And so we hire people to train and coach on practices and we go through the motions of Scrum or Safe or Kanban or whatever. But the reality is, and we keep coming back to this, is that there's an org design up underneath all of these things. There's teaming strategies that are, you know, if, you know, again, like Scrum doesn't work unless you're organized in teams of six to eight, or maybe a little bit more, a little bit less, that are, that are organized around something of value with very few dependencies between them and the rest of the organization. If you can't create that kind of team to do Scrum, then, right. then that's why people start bastardizing Scrum all the time. It's because they're going through the motions of what they learn in your classes, right. but, but, they're, but they're in a dysfunctional team with all kinds of external dependencies yeah. and strengths that they can't do anything about. And like, how do I deliver working tested software every two weeks when everything around me is jacked? And they don't even know why they're supposed to do it anyway. Most well, yeah, right. So it's like everybody's going through the motions of the practices, right? So, so when you start to think about transformation, not as adopting practices, but as actually creating the conditions where the practices can be um, deployed effectively to your to your advantage, <clears throat> now you start to think about okay, well, how do I start progressively forming teams? How do I start orchestrating value across teams? Um, how do I subordinate that value to a portfolio or an investment decision? What do I do when I have legit dependencies that span not only teams, but they span value streams, right? I mean, all these things are like non-trivial things to break. Right. And so we started articulating this idea that, that, the, that the, you have like a transformation, just like at the system of delivery, you have a product roadmap. Um, the top tier of a system of delivery is the transformation roadmap. And the units of value that move through the portfolio in a system of transformation are slices of the organizations, we call them expeditions, moving to a next stable state, a base camp, right? So in our okay. words, a, a portfolio item is an expedition to a base camp. And, and that investment um, of dollars to implement that change is supposed to result in a specific set of outcomes to be greater predictability, smaller sure. batch sizes, more faster releases to market. It could be teams that operate more independently of each other, right? We have this base camp thing kind of um, articulated out, but the portfolio tiers, expeditions, base camps. And then each of our base camps has a series of intermediate outcomes that are tokenized like a, yeah. like a Kanban card, right? So they have a start and they move through a Kanban queue and they have a finish and we measure cycle time and we call that outcomes-based planning. So, and then the outcomes decompose into activities. 
So the idea is, is that when a coach is engaging with an organization, they're doing any number of things. They could be training on user story decomposition or how to run a scrum team or how to manage an integration tier at the portfolio or at the program level to make sure features are flowing across the board, right? That kind of thing. Um, so there's all kinds of work that could happen, but all of that work is designed to move outcomes through a queue. And then as outcomes move through the queue, expeditions move to base camps. And then as expeditions okay. move to base camps, then the then the um, the transformation roadmap is realized. Okay. So I, can I ask a question about yeah, this? Please. please so yeah. I want to go back to the vertical slice bit because I think this is always something I feel like is worth like hitting on a second time. Yeah. People are familiar with vertical slices from a user story perspective. Yeah. But when you talk about it at an organizational transformation level, you're talking about like a department or a group, could you give like an example of what this would be like? Yeah, so so it, it's 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 really dependent upon the organization, the size of the organization, the scale of an organization. The characteristics of a vertical slice, a characteristic of an expedition, yeah. is that it is inclusive of team level execution, okay, program level governance, okay. portfolio level governance, and maybe like an investment strategy tier. So if you think about like safe, right, because that's a model that most people know. Yeah. Right, you think about Dean's three-tier model, I think in some of his extended, it's like a four-tier model, right? Um, and and the, the vertical slice, maybe in Dean's world, safe world might be like a value stream. So we take a value okay. stream and we run it through, um, you know, series of transformation steps to get the work surface, the program level coordination, portfolio level coordination tied up to the investment tier for value stream. Right, that could be one way of looking at it. Okay. Um, a lot of complex organizations we go into, the value streams are they're they're intersecting as well, and so there's not uh, encapsulation between value streams. So okay. a lot of times, what we'll do is we'll organize around business capabilities, and then groups of business capabilities that are subordinated to a portfolio. So you have like almost like projects running to portfolio. And then different projects impact different parts of the organization, which now impact different business capabilities. And so it can be a lot of things, but, but the, the pattern is, is if you think about the taxonomy of value creation for a customer, right. you have some sort of um, you know, ROI that you're expecting that becomes manifest in uh, epics that yeah. gets decomposed into features that get decomposed into um, into uh, you know user stories, okay. so uh, transformation is is kind of similar, right? You have the expeditions, the base camps, the outcomes underneath that. So so it like it it all kind of like rolls up into this cohesive thing. And what we have to figure out how to do is how to break the org just like we break a product up right. into um, increments. Mm -hmm. We have to break the organization into increments. And just like we take the product and we focus on minimally viable product and we we uh, iterate the those slices over time right making them more rich and depth and all those things as we make investment decisions about how to spend the money yeah. same thing with the organization so you have the increment of an organization that's moving um through an iterative process okay. and and i think that's the core insight it's like it's like in an organization that has non-agile governance, non-agile structures, right. non-agile metrics, non-agile everything. I mean, you can't just teach that organization scrum 
and, and hope for the even best, safe yeah. and hope for the best, right? So what you have to do is you have to meet it where it is, get it as agile as possible. It's like minimally viable agility. Or yeah, right? minim, minimally viable transformation, maybe. Yeah, minimally viable transformation. And so for us, that's like Basecamp one, get predictable using agile tools and techniques, but it's more highly governed than we would like. It's more dependency management than we would like. It's more upfront planning than we'd like, but it's still using incremental and iterative development technique right. in the system of delivery. And then as you start to improve the system, then you start to reduce batch size and you start to increase flow across the system and you get release management in place and continuous integration, continuous deployment. Maybe you start laying some foundations for some DevOps stuff, like, I mean, all kinds of different things, right? And then as you, then you start to do product extraction and you start to break dependencies and you start to focus on organizational realignment to minimize dependencies. So, so being able to um, take the investment in a transformation and decompose it into units of work that you can make decisions about. I'm going to spend this amount of money. My hypothesis is that I'm going to get this business value out of it. And then as the organization starts to perform better, you can measure its performance characteristics and say, did I get the appropriate ROI? Okay. So that's all the system of transformation stuff. It's like, how do you, how do you break a gigantic organization into um, any number of increments. The largest we've done have been thousands and thousands of people and hundreds of increments okay. that have moved through different iterations, right? So maybe it's base camp one, maybe it's base camp two, maybe it's base camp three. Um, occasionally we'll take something to four or five, um, but, but being able to do that in a way that is respectful of where the organization is and also systematic and plan-driven about how to untangle it. I mean, I sure. can't tell you how many people that I get on a, like an early stage sales call that are like, look, this is really a tangled mess, but we can't disrupt this thing while we're <laughs> doing it, right? I mean, it still has to produce product. Right. It still has to satisfy customers. And so, you know, being totally disruptive and flipping the switch overnight again, often isn't cost effective, right? It's right. too expensive up front, both from a expense perspective and from a, a benefits realized perspective. But but it's also, it's it's too big a risk for most organizations. Yeah, they want, that's like a crash down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Don't, don't bait me down that path. Man. Um, I had a whole, I had all these notes about that. But it's, Sorry, but, go it's ahead. Like, but it's like, but it's like, well, so we'll, we'll go there in a minute, man. I can always be taken down into the health and fitness um, rabbit hole with you, but, but it's just like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say I'm going to spend three years building a product or I'm going to go hire a dev team and just go throw them at something and hope for the best. Like in Agile, what we recognize is the value of understanding incremental and iterative delivery. And, you know, we, we deliver an increment and it's shippable and it's usable, but we know we're going to iterate on it and make it more suitable to purpose. Right. And we're going to increment it to add broader capabilities as we go. So okay. I think the metaphor holds for the system of transformation. So we're going to get the organization using Agile we're gonna get it using lean program and portfolio governance. We're going to get it measuring differently and deploying differently. Sure. But but recognizing that, you know, all the people aren't in the right seats. We haven't changed all the financial controls. We haven't necessarily changed the PMO out of the gate. And, and sometimes those control structures within traditional organizations don't want to let go of that control. 
until right. there's an alternative system that they believe will work. Okay. Now the first system might not be working great, but at least it's the devil you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, going to the devil. It's you comfortable know, pain. It's comfortable. It's at least it's familiar, right? Yeah. I, yeah. It's predictable pain, right? Right. And so and so, um, yeah. So so system of transformation. And, and I think the key point is we move the system of engagement to what got you going on the morning call was yeah. the work that flowed through that system was really expeditions to base camps, outcomes-based plans, and then mm-hmm. activities at the lowest level. And, and this is, what, again, what's super cool about just having really, really smart people is that um, we've got a couple of folks that are working on our overall methodology. One guy named Lynn Gretzky who actually had been a client and came and joined us as one of our principal consultants. And so he's doing some sense making around this and putting together presentations and things like that. And so he articulated system of engagement, system of transformation, system of delivery. And there's a fourth one called system of continuous improvement that maybe we'll get to um, at some point, but it's not, it's not as interesting for this conversation because we were focusing on those three, those three core systems. Yeah. And, 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 and what was, what was as, the organization. So a lot of times what we're guilty of as organizations, we have this really cool insight and we propagate it out without enough kind of supporting detail because yeah. we think we're right. And then people take it and they kind of make it their own. Yeah. And what was happening is that we were, we are kind of starting to hypothesize the system of engagement as being like a mechanism of shared cognition. Like how do we get the teams that are doing the transformation work all on the same page? How do we get the client all on the same page? And what it started to look like, it was, it started to look like almost like internal processes in the system of engagement and client facing processes on the system of transformation. And, and the early hypothesis around this was, um, was, uh, you know, the activities, the outcomes, the expeditions, the base camps. It's like we had one internal loop and one external loop and, but it was the same work that was flowing through both and like kind of the first as it released into the wild of leading out, right? And that was Lynn's insight is he goes, he goes, if the work flowing through the system is the same work, then it's just the same system. Okay. I went, but, but I went, I don't think it should be the same system. So I started noodle on it. So what was your question? So there's a couple of things that I wanted to ask about it. First, just to put some context behind it from the leading agile perspective, the yeah. company's been growing. We're hiring a lot of people. Yeah. This is an organization that has a very unique perspective on transformation. So yeah. when people come here, if you've been a coach for 15 years, it doesn't matter. You've got to go to school and learn this way of working because that's yeah. what everybody expects. Yeah. Um, that's a problem that we have, but it's a problem that any company is going to have that's been hiring people. Yeah. And so sure. like what, where you just said, you don't think it's two systems to me, it's the same problem in every direction. It doesn't well, matter whether they're internal, external, you need people to breathe your I, message. Yeah. Well, so, so this'll, this'll get into to some of the later points um, is it, is it becomes fractal in nature, right? Okay. So, and so the way we started untangling it, we got together in my office here and we started pulling it apart and what my initial offer, and I literally just took it to the whole team, like right out of the gate. As I said, okay, what a system of engagement does is it takes a billable day, a, yeah. a basically a consultant's time, right? Manifest in terms of a billable day. Mm-hmm. And that billable day is really designed to produce a deliverable. That deliverable is designed to produce a set of outcomes mm-hmm. on the engagement. And then the outcomes on the engagement stack together to create a lifetime value of the uh, 
of, of the account for us. Mm -hmm. And the initial pushback I got on that was, well, we have the system, but it doesn't represent customer value. Well, and, and so the way it kind of manifests is we, is we talked about it and, and hashed it out is like the, the, the leading agile system of engagement is really like, how do, how do we create shared cognition with our clients right. so that we can get paid, right? I mean, because we have a value prop in this too, right? Our goal is to do phenomenal game-changing, company-changing work for our clients. Right. But, but if we don't do that in a way that is economically viable, then we don't get to stay in business to do and, it. And a way that they perceive yeah. the value. It's For not sure, just that right? we do it, they have to get it too. For sure. And so, so what starts to happen, right, is, is when, you're, when you're setting up these engagements, you have, I mean, a lot of the initial interface is like, it's like, we're going to put these people on the ground mm -hmm. and um, we're going to produce these deliverables. A lot of procurement departments want deliverables. Yep. Um, to achieve these outcomes. And then the assumption is, is if we, these people show up and produce these deliverables and achieve these outcomes, then we get the next contract, the next contract, the next contract until transformation roadmap is, is complete, right? And so, and so, but what's interesting is that to me, it's like, of course, um, there's no inherent value in a consultant showing up. There's no inherent value in the deliverable. There's no okay. inherent value in the contract vehicle. And so what it becomes is like a proxy measure for, okay, I'm going to assume that as the consultants show up, they have processes internal to that consulting team right. that is creating shared cognition about how we're going to engage our, the company that's hired us right. to orchestrate their system of transformation. We have to be on the same page first. The deliverables that we produce are a proxy for shared understanding with the client. And, okay. and I mean, this is tough, right? I mean, people in project management, like, like you have to do a charter, you have to do a requirement stock, right? And those well, are deliverables, yeah, that show well, yeah, evidence but, of something happening. But the, but the way that I've always described deliverables, it's like a deliverable is an artifact. It's a representation of shared understanding. More junior project people think, oh, well, my job is to create a charter. Well, the yeah. charter is only valuable to the extent that everybody yeah. agrees with the charter, right? And, and even if you get sign-off, right? You get the charter and you sign it off. Nobody does and, it. it doesn't and, and everybody does it. They, they're not really bought in. Then what does it matter, right? right. Um, I've seen hundreds of pages of requirements documents written that are signed off on that nobody understands what's really in them. Right? So how should, how should procurement be thinking about this differently? I mean, is there an, a better well, way? No, I mean, it's, it's fine, right? I mean, I don't, I mean, you don't mind producing deliverables and deliverables can be valuable. Um, but they don't, but if, if, well, if it was, you have to, you know, train 50 people, have daily scrums every day. Well, but that's, not, that's not the nature of a deliverable. Like a, a deliverable for us is like a, um, it's like an understanding of the business architecture. It's like a business architecture representation, or it's okay. a product model hierarchy, or it's a transformation roadmap, or it's something, right? But it's still a finger pointing at the moon. It doesn't show the change. Well, well, sure, right? So, so okay, so this is this will dovetail hopefully nicely. Um, so what starts to happen, right, is everybody at every level of this work, whether you're hiring external consultants, or whether you're doing it internally to yourself, everybody's making a bet. Right. Even when you build a product, you're basically saying, look, I have a couple million dollars. I'm going to spend a year and a half. Um, I think I'm going to go build this thing. OK, but but until you start building it, you don't really know right. whether you can actually build it. Right. So in Agile, what we start to do is we work in small batches. 
-hmm. We get constant feedback from our customers. We're constantly validating that the code's potentially shippable. We're constantly validating that it's testable. We're constantly validating that people want to use it, right? We're getting feedback all the time. Yeah. So, so the way that we've gone to market with this is that, you know, a typical start contract for us is about two months, right? And okay. there's, a, there's a very specific contract vehicle we call it, usually call the find the end state, starts the workshop, does some analysis, produces a set of deliverables and a set of results. Um, but what it needs to produce is shared understanding with the client that this is what we're going to do from a roadmap perspective. This is what we're going to do from a okay. pilot. This is yeah, what they know what to expect. Right? So everything's a proxy, right? So the system of engagement has a set of things that are a proxy for value, right? And so, and so um, when a client hires a consultant, they're making a bet that if they spend X number of dollars over this amount of time, they're going to get these outcomes. Okay. Okay. So they make a bet, right? And and as agilists, right, as an agile company, we typically ask them to make a small bet. Mm-hmm. And it's a and it's a recoverable bet often. We don't do what we say, you know, maybe we'll give you um, you know, a discount, or maybe we'll sure. give you refund some money or something. Or, you know, it 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 worse, you know, the worst thing would be you don't hire us for the next thing, right? Sure. You say this, you know, we didn't provide the value we said we would, so we're not going to give you the next piece of work. But at least it was a small bet. You didn't sign a $10 million contract right. and commit the whole organization. So you have to make a small initial in that. And, and so we take billable people, we have them produce deliverables that are reflective of shared cognition with the client okay. to achieve the goals in the SOW as a first step in a transformation journey, right? Of the lifetime value for us as a client. Then, so that's like a set of processes that create shared cognition amongst um, the leading agile crew. But, but, and this is the thing that gets weird, right? It's like that system of engagement is only valuable to the extent that it moves the system of transformation and starts transforming the org. Okay. Okay? So the way that I was describing it on that call that morning was you have like the system of engagement is like an outside loop, right? It's like an outside process, right? And then, and then that system of engagement, its sole purpose in life shared cognition on our team mm-hmm. and to instantiate a working system of transformation within the organization. Okay. So the system of transformation becomes like the next loop in. Okay. Now you said working and I'm assuming that means that it's, you're, it's you're not approaching like we're, we're going to be done. I think it's going to be well, an ongoing thing for the company, not us, but the company. Point, right. Until they, until they're transformed enough and they decide that they're ready to go out on their own or they, but even then they're still, there's still, maybe that goes to the continuous improvement thing. There's still sure. going to be evolving and changing. For sure, right? Okay. It's, but but what, we've, what I've kind of found is that organizations get transformation fatigue. So at some point it moves from oh. transformation to continuous improvement, right? And it has to be like a, has to be like an ongoing care and feeding of the organization activity. Okay. Because if we're constantly in flux, constantly changing, organizations get tired, right? So the system of engagement, its whole function is to create shared cognition to get the system of transformation moving. And so the system of engagement is only valuable to the extent that it produces a working system of transformation. Then expeditions start to move through base camps, outcomes move through their governance model, activities move through their governance model. But here's the thing, the system of transformation is only valuable to the extent that it produces a working system of delivery. 
a predictable, okay. reliable system of delivery. Sure. So everything requires a bit of um, belief suspension, right? So okay. company signs a contract because they've heard me speak and they like what we said in the sales process. And so they sign a small contract, right. then we start spinning the system of transformation. But, but that's only a hypothesis until we actually have a working system of delivery in place. Okay. But here's the thing, right? The working system of delivery is only as good as the value it produces for their clients, right? Sure. So, so it's like, it's kind of like money into the system of engagement that gets the system of transformation spinning, that gets the system of delivery working. But at the end of the day, if we're not producing um, higher value products that our customers want to buy, that we can monetize, that are solving problems, okay. well, then the money doesn't flow back and it becomes a very short-lived experience. And okay. so what we, were, what we were discussing was this idea that the system of engagement starts with lifetime value, moves to a contract vehicle, moves to deliverables, moves to billable time. That whole thing spins to create shared cognition okay. and, and an operating model for the account that produces the system of transformation, which basically takes the transformation roadmap, decomposes into expeditions to base camps, decomposes it to outcomes-based plans, decompose okay. it to activities. Because at the end right. of the day, we want people showing up, right? At the end of the day, it's billable days, smart people doing smart things. But if it's not rolling up to the outcomes and to the expeditions to base camps, then it doesn't matter. Okay. And, then, and then at the system of delivery, you have the product roadmap, the epics, the features, the user stories. But again, that's only valuable to the extent that... Um, that it's producing valuable stuff for the client, right? And then that's what okay. creates the virtuous loop that continues um, us getting paid, um, customers making more, or client, our clients making more money, providing more valuable stuff to their clients, okay. right? That's the virtuous cycle. And so everybody's, and we just do it in small bets, right? Yeah. And so like every loop, it's like sprint to sprint to sprint, to release to release to release. If at some point I, I go back to like um, Sutherland's thing, money for nothing and, I want to say chicks for free, but that probably wasn't what he was. That's Knopfler, I think. Remember, remember the thing, the money for nothing, right? Um, where he basically Twice like to work in half the time. Yeah, well, he did that, and that was later. But he was basically okay. talking about like you know, at any point in time, you can clip the project and just pay us like twenty percent of the remainder or something like that. Okay. It was like a model that he had for basically making sure and incentivizing that we're doing the most valuable work all the time. Okay. And so the models that we're putting together are ways of. Um, running engagement to get the transformation moving, to get the system of delivery installed so that that system of delivery is producing valuable stuff for the client. And, and being able to track that in a way um, through tools and you know software, we built some yeah. software to use all kinds of different tools. Um, we've used Rally tools and the version one tools. And I know those aren't the names of those companies anymore, but I can't remember them. I can't remember their new names. So I'm just hoping- our I think it sounds a little more authentic, a little more old school. Yeah, man, it just, you know, it makes, makes you, you know, you feel like you're OG when you're talking yeah. about companies and products that don't exist anymore. So, but, but that's kind of, that's kind of the, the gist of it. And, and so, um, yeah, so. So I, I just want to, yeah. I'm going to probably try to create a version of this picture. I just want to say this out loud so maybe yeah. people can visualize it. So in this, yeah. in this graphic, which I'll include a link to, you have the system of engagement, implementing the system of transformation, implementing yeah. the system of delivery. Yeah. And the way it loops back is the system of delivery provides value to the system of transformation, which provides value to the system of engagement. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then, and one of the things that was kind of cool is we built this um, product we use for, for running our accounts 
um, started it six, seven years ago at this point, and it's and it's matured but evolving. Um, we call it Navigator, and and the way it was kind of conceptualized, which is which is kind of neat, right? Is it does three major things. It does um, assessments and performance aggregation of um, client performance. It actually does um, uh, aggregation of leading Agile's portfolio and how we're doing in our forecast with our clients and things. And then kind of in the middle, the way it's all tied together is through engagement design. And, and what it's kind of shaping up towards, it's kind of like the, um, the portfolio stuff on our side is really the system of engagement. It's kind of leading Agile's value. Right. And then the performance characteristics of the organization really reflect our customer's value. Um, and then that's bridged by the system of transformation work, which is um, how we get from our value to client's value, because we're big believers that, you know, I tell people on my team all the time, and, and it's hard because sometimes clients don't want to measure things right out of the gate because they feel like the measures are going to expose different things and they don't want they they don't to see the data. Or they yeah. will. Right? <laughs> so and so what I tell people is like if we're not measuring how everything is performing, then we're stealing from people because, mm -hmm. because they've made a bet to spend money with us to do these transformative <coughs> things to install the system of delivery. And if we can't baseline how that system of delivery is performing and how it performs better over time, then yeah. what are people paying for, right? So we have to create that closed loop and make sure that, you know, as the system of delivery starts to perform, right? right. We correlate the things that we're doing in the transformation to those performance gains and then ultimately justify the return on investment for hiring us because sure. you know, one of the things that you know whether it be capitalization or cost reduction or increased value or whatever um, nobody wants to engage consultants um, for any amount of money if it's not going to directly help the bottom line okay. and so as as we grew and as some of our clients grew and our footprint and clients grew um, we had to get we had to get really good at justifying our existence, and um, and some of this connective tissue um, it helps do that. I think. Okay, so yeah. we talked about the vertical slices, and I'm going to yeah. work towards Navigator in a second. But yeah, yeah. one of the things that was kind of popping into my head back then was okay, if it's like a team or maybe three teams, there's certain things you're going to look at as maybe indicators of some you're moving the needle somehow. But the more of those slices you create, the more the volume of all that feedback is going to increase and it's not always going to be in sync. And I would imagine that as you kind of hit critical mass, the dissonance from the not agile parts of the organization is going to increase as well. So I'm just wondering if you're look, talking about an organization with a couple thousand people and all these different slices happening, what is the metrics that, that are most interesting to you to understand how we're doing with our clients? Okay, so that's a lot of questions kind of rolled up into one. Um, so, so the, where I thought you were going to go with this, and I'll try to get back to the metrics here in a second, <clears throat> where I thought you're going to kind of go with this is as you're breaking the organization up into increments yeah. and moving it through this iterative process of right. improvement, right? Breaking dependencies, enhancing encapsulation, minimizing orchestration, all those things, creating opportunities for local empowerment, right? <clears throat> there's, there's part of it. And I'm, and I'm not saying that we've done this the best, but, um, you know, it, it's an area where I think there's opportunity is, is um, making sure it's really almost like a change management play. So as you're going through the pilot teams, mm -hmm. what you want to do is you want to say, okay, here's what we're doing. This is what we did. This is how it's working. And you want to like information radiate that. Yeah. Out. 
yeah. the organization, right? Um, you want to make sure that you have communication plans with the mm -hmm. organization. Um, I think there's opportunity, and this is something that I think we'll start building over the second half of the year is for what does it look like to go out and start to do basic training or basic role-based training for mm -hmm. the other parts of the organization in anticipation of the, the change coming. Sure. Um, you know, I was just um, talking with a friend of ours about um, maybe coming and joining Leading Agile and helping to build like an internal certification. So maybe mm. while some of the 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 parts of the organization are transforming, we're getting everybody else certified in the methodology. Yeah. You know, or there's some sort of maybe it's maybe it's not a certification per se, but it's like a it's like validation an onboarding, something. right? Some yeah. sort of onboarding into the model. So when the consultants show up on day one, they're not just like, oh, I've never heard of what, what are you doing? Why are you here? Kind of a thing. So, so I think there's, there's opportunities, especially in really big organizations, right? Is getting out in front of that and getting yeah. um, the organization enlisted in advance of, because, you know, one of the things that, you know, we talk about a lot is a lot of times, again, especially in really large organizations, you know, the person that calls us has been reading our website and watching our videos and downloading white papers and listening to your podcast for maybe for years, right? They've yeah. been educating themselves on our stuff. And then, you know, they make, uh, they get to the right place in the organization. They make uh, an introduction. They pick up the phone. They call us, fill out a contact us page, you know, get me on the phone, get Jim on the phone. You know, we bring in a Dennis or a Chris or an Andrew or somebody, and we start doing workshops. We're building all this shared cognition, all this shared cognition, all this shared cognition, it, it shows up as this first engagement, as a define the end state, and we do a pilot, and then we start to roll out the rest of the organization, and nobody else in the rest of the organization was involved yeah. in the sales process, right? So we're like, who are you and why are you here, kind of a thing, yeah. right? And so getting out in front of that, right? It's exacerbated the larger you get, but getting out in front of that is, um, and doing that effectively is like a big deal, okay? Yeah. And so, so, so I was kind of answering the question from the angle of what do you do with everybody else when you're starting okay yeah. but then like the way that i look at at metrics is that there there tends to be kind of two classes of metrics right there's the there's the things i call like the the progress oriented metrics like the call your shots metrics mm -hmm. so if i say to a client that we're going to take these 120 people and we're going to break them into these teams and install this governance and do these metrics with these tools um, and we're going to do it over this period of time then I expect to be able to roughly, right? Mm -hmm. Roughly just be able to do what I say I'm going to do, right? I want to be able to call my shot. So I think yeah. of it as like running a, running the pool table and pool, right? You need to be able to look across mm -hmm. the, the pool table and you say, I'm going to do that and that and that and that. And this shot sets up the next shot, sets up the next shot, sets up the next shot, right? And so, but then you want like a really solid reference implementation that is performing mm -hmm. to the characteristics that we hypothesized happen right so i need to be able to run the table how i how i run it but then it has to produce the results that we produce and so but the but the metrics can be all over the place i mean it can be like you know, stable velocity you know can we make and meet a release commitment um you know what percentage of the backlog is being deferred um what what defects are escaping um is cycle time dropping like i mean there's all kinds of things i mean uh, you know, sometimes we'll get into, I'm trying to think I'm drawing. I have a question. 
like are there, complexity and shit like that, right? It can be like- Are any, there negative yeah. metrics? Could, would you say something like you're going to see 10% of attrition and you're going to see this much dissonance from this system because that's part of the growing pains yeah, of doing I, this? I, I think so, right? I mean, like, I don't know that, I don't know that I've got those necessarily codified in my brain or Dennis has them written up in a, up in a deck or anything like that. Sure. Um, like, like, I don't know, you know, I, I think you could say like maybe attrition less than a certain amount, but, but I don't know that that's something that you can necessarily control. Right. Cause you know, I don't know what percentage. Well, not control, but it would, it would convey that you had, I keep thinking of that scene in Goodwill yeah. Hunting where he's explaining like, this is what you learn and this is what you think. And then you think this, and then you think this, you're saying, we're going to take you on this journey. Here's the things we're going to be watching for. And then you might also say like, and here's where you're going to get itchy. Yeah, for sure. That's like back yeah. to your toenails falling out. <laughs> I, I, I was wondering. If that was, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I mean, are those metrics like, I don't know. Right. I mean, you can choose, but I think, you know, I think that's part of the advantage of, you know, working with somebody like us that, you know, you basically, you know, I mean, we've been through a lot of those kind of things and you can start to anticipate the kinds of things you might see and when you might see them yeah. and, um, and start to be able to lay some foundation for that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, um, this is pretty good. I mean, it, it, we did a good example of it. Is there yeah. anything that I left out? I mean, I know we didn't get into the continuous improvement part, but I think maybe we could do that one as a separate thing. Maybe let's, let's give a little bit of a nod to it, right? Because, okay. you know, um, right before we got uh, on the screen, I pulled up um, the manifesto for agile software development, right? Because there's this line at the beginning of it, and I'm always afraid I'm going to misquote it. We are uncovering. That, yes, yeah, we're uncovering better <laughs> ways of developing software by doing it and helping others do it through this work we've come to value kind of a thing. And, and I think about that intro line a, a lot in how we think about transformation. You know, we're uncovering better ways of doing transformation work by doing it and helping others doing it. And yeah. you know, this we've, you know, come to believe or we've come to learn. And, and so some of the stuff that, that we hypothesize is, is emergent. And, and, we, yeah. and, and it's, like, it's like when you start to, like I think about like, back when that um that cern collider the large hadron collider yeah. or whatever, and you know it's like it's like they hypothesized the bose higgs on or higgs boson and they want then but they had to prove it and and so a lot of a lot of what we've what we've done is like you sometimes you see the size of the hole right you understand something's missing but you're not quite sure what it is yeah um you understand the nature of the problem or maybe even you understand a little bit about the solution but you you haven't quite quantified it yet mm -hmm. and so one of the things that i've hypothesized for a while um and i and i first talked about it i want to say three years ago i know i talked about it last year at elevate agile the little internal comp or the conference that we do um where we talked about the idea of um you know when you spin up um when you're when you're instantiating the system of transformation mm -hmm. and a lot of organizations will actually put in a structural component called like a agile transformation office i mean different sure. companies want to name it different things but it's like internally we talk about like as an ato or an exo something like that and and you start to think about um you're creating an entity in the organization that is an orchestration entity for the transformation itself. Okay. It will do things like make sure that a, a group is ready, that it has funding, that it has the right buy-in and support, that it has the right performance objectives it's chasing after. And then you'll have services, things like 
a coaching service, a business architecture service, right. a, um, a staffing service, right? I mean, you, all these different things that you, that you might build into an ATF and a tooling service, a, uh, a playbook service, right? I mean, kinds of different things. And so like one of the things we kind of hypothesized is that what does the ATO do after we are done with transformation? Well, what I think, and I say done with transformation in air quotes, right? So the Agile Transformation Office, I think becomes like an office of the CIO. It becomes like a continuous improvement organization because here's the interesting thing, right? Is Agilists a lot, we, we think about um, what I'll call like product agility, right? And product agility kind of assumes that like I have a static product, I have a static set of product lines and, and I have a static way I'm approaching the market. And what I'm doing is I'm incrementing and iterating the product mm -hmm. to best satisfy that customer's needs. True. And, that, and that's true, right? And in a lot of organizations um, that can go on indefinitely to great, um, um, you know, advantage. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of times though, you know, we're, our markets and our customers are changing around too. So it's almost like you ask yourself, what is the mechanism inside the company that adapts the company, mm -hmm. right? That redeploys resources to um, constrained business capabilities yeah. or redeploys resources and people and, and to um, a at-risk value stream something like that. Right. Okay. And so, and so I almost think of it as like a monitoring, a monitoring and course correction function. Right. And so, okay. and so those are some things that we've hunted. We have some kind of proto early prototypes, um, a couple pretty well functioning um, in some of our clients, and then some that are early prototypes, depending upon the size of the organization. Okay. But, but I, I kind of hypothesize using the systems language that we were talking about was you have a system of engagement that, um, that um, implements the system of transformation and uh -huh. an ATO to go along with it to manage it. But then, but then it also kind of, and then all of that instantiates the system of delivery, but after the system of transformation, the ATO has lived its life, it kind of collapses into a, um, into like a system of continuous improvement type team. Okay. And, and so I don't think we've gotten deep enough into, um, it's been ad hoc to this point where right. um, like, I don't think I could, I don't think I could articulate what the, what the work that flows through that system is. So like, again, we, we have the outside shape. I have like the, I have like, I can, I can tell the Higgs boson is there, but, um, and we filled it in with some stuff. Um, I'm not sure I'm hundred percent kind of happy, like where we're at. Like, I don't think I'd go to market. Well, I'm glad that you said it. Cause I've been thinking for yeah. a long time that the end, the end goal is actually just an organization that can constantly change and evolve like that's yeah. that's what you're after it's not after agile of any kind it's just we have to be able to do whatever we have to do yeah and, not too and, much and, disruption and and you know what's interesting you know i don't i don't know if there is some some combination of org design personal safety hiring, getting the right people in the right seats that would just dynamically allow an organization to reinvent to itself periodically. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my general bent is that the vast majority of the people, I say vast majority, a lot of people are really wired to um, kind of tell me what to do, how to do it. I'll show up and do my job really, really well. 
but you know they don't want to argue, debate, reinvent. Um, I had an advisor one time tell me, he says, most people are really, really bad at building the systems they operate in. And yeah. so like even as individuals, a lot of times we're not good at putting systems around us to get things done. Even in small teams, like a scrum team, often not really good at self-organizing process. And yeah. then you start to get into multiple teams and loose connections and dependencies. And, you know, again, I don't think most people are great with abstraction. I don't think most people are great with risk. I don't think most people are really it's discomfort. Yeah. yeah. And then now you're trying to talk about how do you negotiate change at scale? Um, and it just goes on and on and on and on. Right. Yeah. So I think that we're going to find that most agile enterprises are going to need some function or cadence or um, set of metrics or checks that basically go, okay, we have work flowing through our system of delivery as it exists today. What are the opportunities across the org to okay. um, redeploy um, resources into other areas, things yeah. like that, right? And so, and so again, right, just all emerging ideas, right? It's just a, yeah. we're getting better at this by, by doing it. But, but I, I find it really, really powerful. And a lot of the messages that I give, even when I'm talking about system of delivery, what I talk about is I go, like, like leading agile is clearly we've, we figured out a way and I think it's a good way and, and I think it's repeatable and we're able to onboard people into it and, and do it reasonably consistently across accounts. Mm -hmm. but, but when somebody listens to um, a discussion like this, I'm always sensitive to the fact that like, I'm, like obviously we, we want people to buy consulting from us, but like I'm not really trying to say, oh, hire us and we can do all this stuff. Um, what, I'm, what I'm really always trying to do is say, look, when you, when you, when you think about your system of delivery, don't think about safe or less or scrum or XP or whatever, think about what you're really trying to accomplish and then like take the best of both worlds and, and, and tailor this, all this great agile thinking into a system of delivery that has the performance characteristics that you want. Don't blindly adopt somebody else's process. Um, when, when I talk about system of, Sorry. yeah, that's good. I, yeah. No, I'm, Cause most of them just want the cheeseburger. Give me well, the Spotify model. Yeah, you're really. asking for a level of engagement and 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 for awareness. Sure, right? that's I mean, you tough. know, I mean, you've been around a while. People have listened to us for a while. Like, I mean, you know, one of the things that you and I talk about a lot that I think is really hard is, you know, you'll get a lot of project managers and I want to say lower level managers yeah. in your CSM classes, and it's like, well, how do I do agile if I can't change anything around me? Yeah, well, how do I convince the president to change what they want to do? Well, well, that's like, so, so that's actually a different question, right? So if, if you're literally powerless within the organization right. and you're trying to do scrum, like in a meaningful way, right? In a meaningful way, being able to deploy to clients and get feedback and all these things and you're existing in a legacy monolith and you don't have the ability to change anything with governance or anything in release, that's a really frustrating place to be. Yeah. And so the way that we've decided to approach the market is, to say, look, like we want to make meaningful change. We want to work with people that want to make meaningful change. And so, you know, the system of transformation is, you know, giving us a way to talk about it. But more fundamentally, what I want everybody to hear is that there has to be a mechanism for um, um, moving the organization incrementally and iteratively to um, a next agreed upon state. Okay. It, it operates with certain performance characteristics. I mean, that's really all it is, right? However yeah. you do that, right? And 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 I think, you know, people trained, scrum masters hired, product owners installed, I think those are vanity metrics. 
Okay. I mean, to the extent that a scrum master and a product owner and your teaming strategy helps you great, right. but I mean, we've all been there, right? Yeah. Just because you have a product owner, just because you have a scrum changing master, a job title does not make somebody a different person does not mean that you're producing working test software on regular intervals, right? In yeah. a reliable, predictable way. It doesn't mean that at all. So, so we want to make sure we're avoiding vanity metrics and the transformation. Okay. And then there has to be some mechanism by which we drive shared cognition across not only our coaching team, but across the client's landscape as well. And that's where we got a little bit confused in the system of engagement. And, and even as I'm talking with you about it, it's like the work is people, deliverables, contracts, but there's also, there's something about the way we do contracts and the way that we sequence the work that creates shared cognition. And yeah. then the deliverables create shared cognition. So we're creating shared. So I, so it's not like system of engagement is like the internal leading agile stuff or the internal engagement stuff. Right. It's really more about, it's like, how are we aligning the organization so that it sees the world the way that it needs to see it. So right? it shows up for itself. Yeah. So it's kind of like aligning like the broader meta topics and then you know, then it's just, again, I think it's nested. I was, I was actually thinking about back in the day when I was at version one, we used to have this poster that they would give out. It was called like the planning onion, right? And it was like the things you do continuously, the things you do daily, the things you do um, weekly or sprint to sprint, the things you do quarterly, the things you do right. roadmap wise, right? And it's like everything operates within a container. If I'm decomposing an epic to a feature to a user story, the right. assumption is that the user, the collection of user stories fits into the feature and the collection of features fits in the epic. And then the epic um, begins to validate the investment hypothesis okay. and everything's nested. It's like kind of traceable. Yeah. So, and so it, it's a little bit that way too, right? It's like, everything's like nested and traceable within itself. Um, yeah. And I mean, maybe the, like the last thing that, that I'll, I'll offer is that, is that you know one of the things as we've grown as we mature our process and hire new people to your point that are, are not as familiar with our models mm -hmm. as um, you know we're, we've gotten really good at onboarding and getting people up to speed and we have playbooks and pages and pages of documentation and um, I'll give you a jujitsu story okay you ready there we go okay cool so I was at a <laughs> seminar at my gym. So I I, uh, I work with, I, I train, I got my blue belt um, a couple of weeks ago. I was That's actually good. excited That's about that. Yeah. So um, so I, I train at a gym called SBG um, and they have SBGs all over the world. I think Conor McGregor trains in an SBG in Ireland or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so um, I was in this, um, in this seminar with a guy named Henry Aiken, um, who's a pretty famous like world-class jiu-jitsu coach. And one of the okay. things talking about that I, I was just super intrigued by is is he was like he's like you know there's a thousand things that you could do to pass somebody's guard and a thousand ways that um that they could try to stop you and what you don't want to do is you don't want to start to have to memorize a thousand different ways to get through a thousand different things right because then you're lost when um you're lost when you're presented with something that you either don't know sufficiently too or many options right? New, right there's too many things to memorize and so the tension in the system is trying to figure out like, okay, like what are the core principles that we, we want to apply? And, and then once you understand the principles and, and you have a pretty good library of techniques and things to try and stuff, but like there's this tension between the principles um, 
are what you really want. The technique is important to the extent that it reinforces the principles, mm -hmm. right? So it's in this, at the scrum level, the mechanisms of scrum and the practices of scrum are, are only effective to the extent that they reinforce the principle of constant inspection and adjustment. Sure. And if you're going through the practices and you're not able to constantly expect and inspect and adapt, yeah. what's the point, right? And so it's easy to go through the motions without achieving the outcomes. It's, yeah. it's easy to understand the principles, but then if you don't have a, a container and a way of doing it, right? So it's like, it's like they're both necessary, but both- And there's balance you have to maintain. Right? Yeah. So, and so what I want people to do is I want them to understand these principles and then, um, you know, obviously, if they need help, I mean, that's what Leading Agile does. Right. But, but I mean, you guys know a lot of things. And so um, I, I constantly want to believe that if you understand the principles, then it will take all You'll the things you know and put them in context and, and find a way, right? Hopefully. Yeah. 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 And, and it, it's true, right? And so, again, just to, you know, to kind of put a bow on it, the, the, I think the big insight is the system of delivery is a thing. Right. But getting the organization there requires a certain amount of thoughtfulness and uh, a precise way of breaking things into chunks and doing them incrementally and iteratively, all that stuff. Yeah. But then there's like another process that kind of runs on the outside. It's like, OK, how do we make sure that we're we're all on the same page and we're all rowing in the same direction and all these different things are happening? Because, you know, that when you get on the ground and you start trying to move people, right, right it's messier. Right. It's easy to drill a jujitsu move when you have a willing partner, but when you have somebody who's like trying to stop you, it's a lot harder. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, how do you dynamically adjust, um, you know, as you're moving through? Right. Because, you know, people are, you know, people are scared. Right. And it's hard to change. Well, and, so. and the, the space that we're working in is maturing in that people are now more focused on sciencing out or at least understanding the way that these changes happen. And that's what you're talking about, the evolving awareness yeah, like, of how these models play out. I like to go back to the industrialization of it. I mean, I think that's kind of a neat way of expressing it. It's like, and, and, and again, like it's, it's interesting. It's like, it's like, it's, it's artful and it's craft. Mm -hmm. There's enough science in it. And so like, to me, it's like, one of the things we're hunting organizationally is what I find is that oftentimes the people who, who are like craftsmen at it, who really deeply understand the art are not necessarily wired for like rigorous discipline execution. Yeah. And then the people who are wired for really disciplined execution They're aren't the thinkers, visionaries, right? Yeah. So one of the things that, that, you know, it's as silly as it sounds like one of the things we're hunting internally is the idea of like, have that creative visionary as like product owner for an engagement team have like okay. a structured disciplined operator the execution like the, the, the scrum master side of it yeah. and then team meeting on periodic intervals to to make the magic right okay and if you think about a system of engagement that's really all we're really yeah. talking about yeah. right is what who does what what are the roles what are the collaboration cadences how do we get in alignment what's in our backlog what's our sprint commit what does done look like right, right? so system of engagement is just as simple as that but with a consulting engagement yeah. But then it's like, you know, then like those features as they start to roll out of the scrum team, right? They have to be absorbed by the customer and the customer has to figure out how to incorporate them into their workflow. And it's yeah. loop, right. So cool, cool man. Cool. So, All right. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. Awesome, man. You got it. Well, thank you for uh, setting us up and I yeah. look forward to seeing what you put together, man. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Cool. See you. Bye.